Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. From roommates to co-hosts. This is The Back Check with Brendan Azoff and Stefan Rosner. Your go-to destination for New York hockey and NHL news. And now it's time to drop the puck. Here are your hosts, Brendan Azoff and Stefan Rosner. This might be the first time I get to say this, but good morning, Stefan. How are you doing today? Brendan, Stefan here. We got episode 20 already, which is kind of crazy to believe of the back check. A lot of Islanders and Rangers talk to get into because it's been an up and down week for one team and just smooth sailing for the other. So I'll let you dive into the Islanders first because we got our buddy coming on to talk. His name's Matt Levitz. He'll be discussing some of his Islanders takes with us as well. But how are you doing today, man? It's been a while since we... uh Spoke, it feels like, a little longer than usual because now it's Monday at 8 a.m. I got my coffee in hand. What's up today, buddy? Well, what's up? Yesterday in Newark. All right, let me just, just have the day one. All right, lead along to my R. It means he has to miss 10 games, 24 days to the minimum. That's, I think, April 5th against Capitals would be his first game back. But he's probably not going to be back to the playoffs. That's the day started. Get in the ice. Warm-ups happen. Peugeot, not on the roster. That's odd. Turns out, COVID. Dobson warms up. Game starting. The refs are talking with the on-ice officials. No one has any idea why the game's delayed. Dobson's now not playing. Aho comes down from the press box, gets stressed. Said he had no, no idea he was getting ready. He got his equipment off. He does warm up with the team. They always warm up with seven defensemen. He has to jump in the game because Dobson's close contact, probably. They didn't announce it yet. So Dobson, Zarnik's in the game. All this crazy. I, I bet the Islanders win by two. So I was confident. Now, now I'm a little panicked, a little bit. But so the game begins. Bellas gets his third goal in a period plus. Islanders, you know, look all right. They look pretty good. They go to overtime. And it seems like PK Subban nets the game winner. So now I'm really pissed off. He goes nuts. They all celebrate. Well, trots. Well, not trots, but, you know, they're all out to leave the rink. And it's reviewed for offsides. Thinking, yeah, okay, that was an um, absolute rip. Absolute rip. That's a beautiful <laughs> shot by Subban. Sorokin, no shot. And they review it. And by a hair. By a hair on your head, Brendan. This play is offside. So in my head, I go, okay. Islanders are either going to, 30 seconds later, lose this game in overtime. because That's just how the Islanders would do it. Or they're going to find a way to take this advantage, win this game, push their point streak to 12 games, and win streak to 9 games. And who does it? Oliver Wallstrom in the shootout because he shot the puck. You know, people want to come in and beak on Wedgwood, who had a fantastic game in tight, making big saves left and right. 
Whereas Walton Dewey comes down, blocker side, absolute beauty of a shot. Islanders win. That's how that day went for me yesterday. You find out after the game with the whole Peugeot, Dobson thing. Now you got to look at, okay, how long are they going to be out? The, the biggest news for me on, on Anders Lee is the fact that he wouldn't have gone to long-term IR if they didn't want cap relief. And what now happens, courtesy of cap friendly, is Lee's placed on long-term IR retroactive to March 11th. The Islanders' total salary pool relief now sits at $13 million. The club is currently using 5.44, a little more than that, but I'm not, $5.4 million of that total relief, which tentatively leaves them with around $7.34 million in full cap space. So before Lee was put on long-term IR, they had nothing. They probably had enough to sign. I think it was like $730,000, which you can sign. You can't sign a cone for that. Like, the end for nothing costs a little more than that. But they have the money now. So we'll talk later with Matt Levitz when he comes on about who the Islanders are going to go for. But if you want to ask me in simple terms how my day went yesterday, it was a whirlwind of emotions. Well, it's funny that you talked about how they were either going to lose in 30 seconds in OT or win the game because that was our talk here when we were watching it down South Carolina. We're like, all right, if they just really called that offsides, I I'm immediately pull out my phone. I'm like, get on the slide betting thing. Get on the slide bet. I was going to bet the Islanders. I couldn't do it because I need a new site, but that was my initial thought too. And I will say that the way that that game was from start to finish was absolutely bonkers, bro. I, I have never, ever seen a hockey game get delayed from the start, get delayed in overtime, get delayed in a shootout. It, the goal light wouldn't turn off. There was just yeah, so many it. things that were wrong. Uh, yeah, you, all of a sudden, you see some dude running to unplug it. It's like us playing a... Whenever something doesn't work in my house, technology wise, I do the old. All right, how am I going to fix it? Just give it a good old unplug, count to ten, plug it back in. Good as new. That's what they did with the goal light down in Prudential Center. I mean, Bush going said he was going to he should just break it, but I think this one was a less uh, less expensive fix by just unplugging it. But I forgot to add, Aho comes into this game, gets an assist, plays really well in the first period. Clutterbuck leaves for two periods. No one knows what the heck happened to him. He was limping yep. off the rink. Zizekas gets hit hard. I mean, with all the injuries and everything like this, what's going on with the Islanders? It looked like it was going to be a one of those games where, all right, yeah, this is this is how it, this is how the season goes. It's the domino effect because the Islanders have been healthy. That's been the biggest thing this year. And we saw last year what happened when they weren't healthy. They fell off a cliff and played mediocre. Now, last year they lost a defenseman, and I think it's a little different when you lose a forward. I mean, yes, you're losing Anders Lee, you're leading scorer with 12 goals. Brock Nelson ties the team high yesterday by scoring. But I think it's a little different, Brendan, when you lose a defensive player, especially in oh, a defensive-minded yeah, system. Yeah, definitely is. And I think that this game, they did a nice job of kind of holding it together. We had talked about last show, the test that they're going to be going on the next week or, or two weeks, and if these guys are actually out for an elongated period of time. But by these guys, I mean Peugeot, Dobson, you know, whoever got banged up in the game yesterday, if they are going to have to miss games, that will hurt when you're playing the top teams in the league. So – it's kind of a bad time for this to happen. You'd actually rather these guys have gotten like put on the COVID list two days ago, three days ago. That way you have a couple of games against the Devils. You know, that's a team you'd rather be shorthanded against. Um, but yeah, it was, you can't break the light. All right. We got to go back to this. You can't break the light because then well, the going way that game was going. going. No, the way that game was going, it would, all the plastic and glass would have fallen on the ice, and then it would have ten, another ten minutes for him to sweep it up, and then the guy who was sweeping it would have fallen. He would have, you know, cracked his dome or something like that, and then you would have had to clean that up. So breaking the I, breaking the I, lamp was the wrong thing. I think you're um, overthinking it because the the lights on the outside of the rink. No, but yeah. the way the game was going, it would have 
It would have found a way. It would have found a way. Well, one thing I do want to add is Sorokin played, and his rebound control was still an issue, and it's still an issue. And I saw someone on Twitter say, "My, they wish the Islanders had a third goalie. That way, they could put Sorokin in the AHL and play against the Wolfpack this week." Now, they only have two goals. It's not that bad. His save percentage is fine. The problem is, it's just the rebound control over his last couple of games isn't getting better. It's just not getting better. And of one goal, the first goal or the second goal for the Devils, directly off a terrible rebound. And it's one thing if you're screened in front. That, that's, that's you know, you're just trying to stop the shot. When you're not screened in front and you give up a cruddy rebound the way he did and they score, that's on you. And Sorokin, last game he played, gave up a couple of weak ones in the third period. He wasn't, like, completely locked in. And this is a Devils team that's not great. They're not great at all. It's still the NHL. They're, they're a good team. But you got to still be on your game, and he wasn't. And I think they're fortunate. He did, he did look pretty good in the shootout. The first shot was just a nice shot, but he did make some big saves to set up Wallstrom's game winner. Yeah. I just need to see more consistency from, uh, from Sorokin on his rebound control. I know it all goes back to, you know, I played overseas, the rink's different, the angles are different, but, you know, I, I hope he adjusts a little faster than what we're seeing in the next couple of games because, like I said, he's looking good. It's just the rebound control, but it's rebound control that is that is killing him, and that's the separation from this game, a win in regulation, a win in overtime and getting two points, or going to a shootout where that extra point is great. When it comes down to things, a tiebreaker, that means nothing. Yeah, I mean, listen, he got me 26 points in the fantasy win, so he's on my good graces right now. So, uh, we, we talked about just Sturgeon all the time, and it's such an easy – you know, comparable for us because both come over from the KHL, both mid twenties, both looking to, you know, solidify themselves as number one goaltenders in the league. There is a difference between the NHL and KHL, not even talent wise, rig size wise, angles wise. It took Shesterkin, I would say 20 AHL games. And in those 20 AHL games, he was dominant. Right. And you could see that when he came up, his confidence was sky high. If they had the luxury of a normal season, I think it would have been a no-brainer for him to play maybe five, six games in the AHL, get those shutouts, get that confidence going, and then take that jump. But he didn't have a preseason, right? I mean, there, there's so oh, many yeah. things going against them. Okay. It's the same way like when, when people talk to me about Lafreniere, Kako, these guys, even Hughes on the Devils, they weren't afforded the luxury of a normal season yet, even last season. It started off normal, got cut short. So it's just you got to give him a little bit of time. And if the only issue that he's going to have right now is rebound control and Islanders' defensive system, they're going to win the game anyway because it only allowed two goals. Even though what that, that whistle blew for interference, that redirect was oh, absurd. Oh, I forgot about that too with the emotional whirlwind of yesterday. I, this is his ninth game played. He's on a six-game winning streak. It's just the little things of his game that needs to be tuned. He's got a great... He's got a great goals against average of 2.20. That's that's great, but his save percentage is only 9.10. And he just needs to get that up because when you allow soft goals against a devil team, now when you're playing the Capitals or the top teams in the league and you do that, they're going to get better shots. Well, they're going to do that. There's going to be more rebounds. That's going to lead to more weaker. See, I count that as a weaker goal when you don't control the rebound because we saw a couple of days ago, not on his angle, yep. pucks going in that shouldn't. And then he didn't give up any you know, soft ones like that yesterday, but it was the fact that a rebound that could easily have been, first off, corralled, I think, with the chest or to the corner. So he shows signs he could do it. Like, he mm-hmm. controls his rebounds very well when he's not screened or there's no one in front, but when, anytime there's anyone close, it's like he, he panics a little bit. 
And it just yep. he's got to settle down. That's gonna again, it's gonna take time at the NHL level. But right now, given this crazy season, the Islanders are now first in the NHL. They lead the league in points. They are quote unquote right now the best team in the NHL. You gotta keep going, especially if injuries are gonna pile up. COVID, those little plays like that could make the difference between two points, no points. And we saw yesterday they got a win, fortunately, but if they lost by a goal in that game. You don't want to point fingers, obviously, but if they lost by a goal, it would be hard to not look at the Sorokin goal that he did allow. Yeah, I mean, it, listen, it, they they did their job, right? They, they beat up on the the better, better. They beat up on the worst teams in the league, and have to. Gotta, they swept the Devils exactly. Three, three That's what I'm saying. They, yeah. And Levitz is going to come on. He's going to talk about this. We talked about it on the way to the story yesterday. It's the same thing. We say they beat up on the worst teams. That's their job. They have to do it. They're expected to do that. They did. A lot of teams can't do it as effectively as the Islanders did it. So it's a that's not a knock on them. Great thing. Have to. Now you're coming into where you're going to be able to prove yourself. And like you said, quote unquote, point wise, right now, best team in the league. They have the chance to go on a, a run where if they can play their next four games and go three and one, people are going to say, All right, this really is the best team in the league because the East is widely regarded as you know, one of the best divisions. So now you're looking at it where they can prove it. If they don't go three and one and they're battling and struggling and, you know, even regardless of injuries, people are going to knock them again. So this is a chance for them to prove it. It's also a chance for them to get disproven. And ultimately the best team in leagues decided by who's lifting a cup over their head. I think that everyone will say, I can take the president's trophy and shove it. I want the cup. So we, we will officially see, you know, how good they are come playoff time. But it, it's definitely a crazy thing that the Islanders over the halfway mark lead the league in points. I mean, let's be realistic. If the Islanders went 4-0, uh, cured cancer, and did all that crazy thing, they still wouldn't get the credit they deserve. Let's just be real. No, but, they wouldn't. Exactly. But you look at... Even you know, I've been giving to, them credit. That's how you know that they deserve uh, that's it. That's kind of crazy. So they play the Capitals Tuesday. They play the Flyers Thursday, Saturday, and I'm pretty sure Monday. I don't think they play back-to-back this week, and they play back-to-back the last two. It's a big test. The Flyers are no longer in a playoff spot. They are, count on my fingers, three points out of a playoff spot, but the Capitals are in second place with a four point, um, the four points back to the Islanders with two games in hand. Last time I played the Caps was a whole COVID craze where the Capitals didn't have any of their top stars, and they didn't get a point. Now those yeah. stars have been back. They're, you know, the Capitals are the Capitals. Can't get complacent. Varlamov probably gets the nod for that one. And then you see both goalies in the Flyers series. But like you said, this is a big steaming. And again, depends who the Islanders have. But if, to me, if the Islanders could win with Zarnik coming in, Aho coming in, everything that happened, the distractions from yesterday, and still they played pretty well. And I know, again, we could go all the time. Well, it's the Devils. Well, I'm sorry. It's the NHL. We showed the the worst team in the NHL beat the best team a couple of days ago. It's not like you could take a night off in the NHL ever. The Flyers are struggling really bad. Goaltending has been terrible. Just mean you can't you go out there and give a 60% effort and win that game. You'll lose every time if you don't give 100%. Every single time. So I hate when everyone's like, well, you know, they beat up. They're 6-0 against the Sabres and Devils on this latest streak. You have to. I wrote an article for Puck Pros where I looked at the top teams in each division and what their records were against the bottom feeders, last place. At that point, Toronto was the only team that hadn't swept the last place team. They were three and one against the Senators. And last last night we saw Senators beat Toronto, a rookie goaltender in net for Ottawa. Like it's oh possible. Anything's possible. Don't even get us started with that. You threw a bet? When I got 
No, when I got the alert that Matt Murray was out and there was the rookie goalie, I said, oh, my God, this has the makings of one of those games where no one knows who it is. Everyone's hammering the Maple Leafs, and this guy's going to play out of his mind or something like that. I was going to rally around him, <clears throat> rally around him, excuse me, and Ottawa Senators are going to get the win. And, of course, I say this at 7-0-1. Should have live bet it. But I'm just trying to point out that you just it's it, people just think that the baseline division like I've heard so many people say that the Metro, what an easy division. You have the Rangers, the Devils, and the Sabres. I look at them and go, What are you what are you smoking? Look at the Rangers are an easy team to beat. No team is it's the NHL. There's no easy team. Look at the Blackhawks. They should have done nothing this year. And they're gonna they they might make the playoffs. You look at that the North Division. There is no defense to be found in the North Division at all. None. But None. no one compare. But no one looks at Toronto and goes, "Well, look who they have to play. They play the Vancouver Canucks, the Ottawa Senators, the Canadians don't even look good right now. The they Jets won look great in their last six, by the way. Yeah, the Oilers don't even look great. The Jets are in second place and creeping up on Toronto. But no one's talking about how their division's real weak. I'd rather be in that division than in the. You're at least a fighting chance to be in the third or fourth spot, but come on, I don't know why. I don't know why you have to pull hair to give Islanders credit. It'll it'll yeah. always be like that. They'll always be second to the Rangers, which I understand. You know, they're a bigger market. That's how it, that's how it happens. They're the little brothers all the time. But the respect factor in the NHL is a little a little underwhelming. I know last year you want to call it a fluke. They played the they played the um, Panthers in the first round, knocked them off. They didn't play well. Flyers, they didn't play well. Capitals, they didn't play well. Reversed order. Capitals, then Flyers. They go to Tampa, they lose. Yep. Islanders aren't legit. All right, you want to say that? That's completely fine. This year, Islanders are killing it right now. They're first place in the NHL. Not not credit enough. Again, they'll only get credit if they do what they did last year in the playoffs, or at least at least get far. It's going to be hard again to do what they did last year, especially if we have injuries that you know keep it going. But I just want respect. Just give me a little respect. At least respect the defense. They don't talk about Pelic, Pulak. No one gets talked about on this back end for being I'll one of the best. You, I'll give you your respect. Thank I'll you. I'll give it to you. Thank now you. I have I a question. Who is, who's the next four games for the Islanders? All right, so they, I just said it. You, know, you don't even listen to me when I talk, Brendan. I know it's no, early. I, I don't because I've been pulling things up. Yeah. Um. So they play Tuesday. They play the Capitals in mm-hmm. D.C. Then they play the Flyers Thursday, Saturday, and I'm pretty sure Monday. I don't think they play back-to-back. Let me just check real quick. So they play Saturday, yep, and they play Monday. The Rangers play two against Philly and then two against Washington. Oh, look at that. So, realistically here, I'm not even joking. If the Rangers go 4-0 and and the Islanders go 4-0, and there's an outside chance that the Rangers can be in a playoff spot by the end of this week. You don't. Li- I told you, you know, but you were very depressed. It's not. You it's were, not going to happen. I know, but you were very depressed last episode that that it was over, uh, hanging your head. And I said it's. It, it is over because there there's too many inconsistencies in their game. But the one thing I will say, and and this, it's kind of like wrapping my head around it, is the Rangers' best two games of the season were against the Capitals and against the Bruins, right? They were both crazy. sandwiched together around the absence of Artemi Panarin. Panarin played in that game against the Capitals, and they absolutely dominated them. Takes his leave of absence. They go on a little bit of a spiral, which is understandable because you're missing Artemi Panarin. Comes back, 4 nothing dominant win. They didn't give up a high-danger chance 
against the Boston Bruins in the entire game. If, and this is a major if, if Panarin coming back solidifies that forward group enough like that, where they're able to play a collective defensive game because they were when he was there, it just wasn't consistently great. If they're able to solidify that defensive game, now you're looking at a team that's going to be getting Shesterkin back. They will be extremely pesky to play against. The thing is, can they do it consistently? Can they score? Because in that game against the Bruins, the Bounds had two assists. Kreider had a goal. Strom had a goal. Panarin an assist. That that's the big thing. But before we dive into that stuff, I think we got a guest to bring on. Yes, we do. Matt Levitz, one of our college buddies and the person that helped Brendan get to a place in uh, Myrtle Beach. So we're just going to welcome him on. Here's Matt Levitz. Matt, what's your Twitter handle for the people that maybe want to check you out? Matt Levitz1, and thanks for having me on. No problem. All right, so we're going to dive into... <laughs> guy. What? What a humble guy. Humble, humble to the extent that Matt Levitz can be humble, but that's an inside joke. Okay, so we're going to talk about, you know, given the Anders Lee situation, the Anders have some money to play with, and they need an elite winger. That's been a, a talk, and you say, okay, well, Wallstrom's been great. Is he that elite winger they need? They have the money, they could use another guy especially just to add depth and make them more of a Stanley Cup contender, which they are. So, Matt Levitz, we'll kick it off with you. You made a great point yesterday, which I did give you a shout-out on Twitter, about one player that's maybe under the radar for the Islanders to acquire. Yeah, so I've been making fun of you for the past few days about you saying how Anders Lee is irreplaceable. So, which he is. Eh. So, the Islanders are faced with a problem right now. Are they actually trying to replace Lee, or are they building for the future? And I think if you are actually trying to replace Lee right now, one of the best options is Eric Stahl. And it does not come at a high price. And it's due to the fact that he has one year left. It's a rental player. He may sign again. No one knows what he will do. And he's proven that he can produce. And he can fill that role in leadership. And he can score goals. So I think it's a great option. I would love to find a way to get rid of Lad's contract in that trade, even if it costs more. But now we have the problem of Bellows, but I still think he'd be much better fit than Bellows. You think that Eric Stoll would be a, a better I see I understand what you're saying because Eric Stoll is a big boy. He plays a big game. And you know, the biggest thing is it's not so much, you know, the Lee scored goals. It's the fact that he goes to the front of net, he screens the goal, he does that. And I think if they bring in a player while you want a superstar talent, like like a Hall, a girl, Forfeit, which we'll get into. You need a guy that's going to fill that role because that top line, that's how they've played all year. And I agree with Eric Stoll. The problem is he's, he's 36, and the Islanders have brought in older players before. And do you want, like, I understand he's cheaper. Don't get me wrong. If the Islanders save money, they have a lot, they got to pay a. a Lula Amarillo has an old player fetish. That's true. He loves bringing in veterans. He did it last year with Green. And when. Oh, if that, you yeah, think perfect. About it, perfect example, Brendan. They're replacing him. Correct. They're replacing Lee, if you want, for the time being. But ultimately, who you get, you want to have the ability to play them during a playoff push. Exactly. So, would you like the guy that's won it before and, and has that experience? That's also an enticing factor. And the the good thing you do point out is, I feel like for any tree like that, Lad would have to go the other way. And I think the Sabers are the Sabers have no leverage here. And we'll talk about it when I talk about Hall. They have zero leverage. They're just a terribly run organization. They have guys that definitely need to get out of there. And I feel like they'll be pressured into making – they can do it. So what do you think you'd have to give up for Lad? Uh, excuse me, for Eric Stahl? I think it would cost, at a minimum, Lad and a second-round pick, 
possibly lad in a second and a third or a fourth or a high value prospect. Name your prospect. Josh Hosang. <laughs> you got to get rid of that jersey. <laughs> um, could be Bellows right now. See, I for see, I agree with you that I'll take Lad a couple of picks prospect. Don't think I don't even think. I mean, I would trade Bellows in a heartbeat. I think right now the way he's playing, like three goals in a period plus, he's just raising his trade value. And if they need to make a deal. So be it. But again, he showed last year he scored two goals in one game and then did nothing. He's got to show more consistent effort. But the fact that he is scoring does help. Does. What did you say? GMs will see what Bellows is doing right now and they'll they'll be perked. But three goals in three periods, too small a sample size. Oh, no, I completely agree. When you, you had told me that last time he scored two goals, he went on a drought. So they're going to have to see a couple more games. I'm not entirely sure off the top of my head when the deadline is. But if he can go on a run, April twelfth, I think is it April twelfth. Yeah. So he's got just under a month to go on a little bit of a run now. And listen, if he could play the way he's playing against the, the stretch of games that we just talked about, yeah, that'll raise his trade value. See, my thing is what what just happened with the Islanders last yesterday. Let's say Lee's not back into playoffs. Let's say Pazzo's out for a little bit with COVID. Let's say Dobson has returned. Now's the time to make a trade. Don't wait because you know we don't know absolutely clearly as much as. Trots and all the knows about the injuries, about COVID. He knows exactly what's going on, and we don't. And I think right now, if the Islanders are going to be missing those guys, as well as Zarnik played, as well as Komar could come in, as well as Aho played on the back end, Islanders are in the toughest division in this league, and they have a good lead in the division. You need to you need to get guys in now. If, if it's going to be an issue, if they know that Lee will be back right when playoffs start, let's say that, let's say they know that. So you're not as pressured to make a deal because you hope the Islanders do make the playoffs. But if he's out for the playoffs, which is a Possibly he could have torn his ACL, done for the year. You got to make a trade now. I don't know what it is. The injury didn't look didn't look as bad as it ever made it seem to me. It wasn't a non-contact injury. He fell backward, but his knee didn't go the wrong way. But I'm not a doctor, but then you know what it's like to get get hurt with the knee issue. I I think the Islanders' biggest thing is they have to change their team name because you can't spell Islanders without Anders. And Fact. if he's not playing, I really just don't know how they can keep that name. Um, that's something I think has not been addressed enough in the media. So you're pointing might, that out there. Are we going to see a hockey writers article? We might have to trade for a new name at the deadline. I'm down for the Thrashers. Thrashers, they need to bring that back. But the, they have uh, better thirds. With their reverse retros, Brendan, how can they replace anything the Islanders have done? It's just too too good. <laughs> Sarcasm, guys. By the way, but um, all right, all right good so point. Eric Stahl on the table. Eric Stahl's yeah. one offer. And there's two more, right? You got Hall, also from Buffalo, and Philip Forsberg, I think, is enticing in Nashville. So who are we talking about next? I'll go. At the end of this, we're going to pose the question of which one do you want based on the cases we made, and we'll see what people pick, what the two listeners pick. So let's get to Taylor Hall. It's just been a brutal – first off, brutal decision to go to Buffalo. Let's just start with that. He had options. Was it the Colorado that offered him what? A whopping $4 million or something like that. $4 million. In hindsight, oh yeah, he'd get more. But he could have been on the Colorado Avalanche instead of crying in Buffalo. I'm going to Buffalo because Jack Eichel deserves to play in the playoffs. That's more. So then maybe you should step up your hockey ability because you have two goals and 14 assists in 2015. You've done really nothing. And again, Jack Eichel's been out of the lineup. Now he's out indefinitely with, we all know, he's not hurt. He just doesn't want to play for them. And I don't blame him at all. 
But you look at the Islander now, Taylor Hall is not valuable there. He's not going to help them do anything this year. There's no player to help develop. He's not even playing with um, Eichel, which the whole point would have been, oh, wow, if they build chemistry this year, then maybe you resign. I heard long-term extension in Buffalo. I think that's just Buffalo wishful thinking. If I am Taylor Hall, I send them to voicemail every single time because I'm not talking to them. But it allows for a trade now. Taylor Hall's making $8 million this year. The Islanders, like I said earlier, have $13 million in cap room, given a long-term IR spot for Lee. So, first off, Taylor Hall would be a great piece alongside Barzal. We have all talked about it during the offseason where they could sign a guy like this. Oh, my, this is crazy. And now, um, I was reading an article by Arthur Stipo who said earlier in the year, you know, trading for Taylor Hall, they had no money, they couldn't do it. Now he welcomes those DMs because it is, it is not an unreal – possibility that Taylor Hall is wearing an Islanders jersey come the end of the season. The question is what do you give up? Offensive talent. I don't think you could. You can't look at his two goals this year. He was banking on himself. He failed. But you have to respect what he's done. Lula Marillo had Taylor Hall. Injuries where Taylor had a heart year. Got the Devils to the playoffs. Unreal talent. Who knows what it is. He likes, he likes his older players that he's had before. The question becomes what are you giving up? It's Taylor Hall. Taylor Hall, he's only 29. He's been around for forever, but he's just really young when he starts. What are you giving up? Well, it's going to start with the top pick. I think it's got to be a first-round pick for Taylor Hall. No question about it. you got to try to get the um, you got to try to get the uh, Andrew Ladd deal in there. And I think you got to give up one or two top prospects. Wallstrom, to me, is untouchable. If they say, yeah, we'll give you Taylor Hall, but you have to give us Wallstrom in a first-round pick, I, I wouldn't honestly wouldn't do it. He's cheaper. Wallstrom's cheaper right now. You're going to have to work out an extension with Hall. If you bring Hall in as a rental and he leaves, and you, let's say you gave up a Wallstrom, which you're not going to do. Let's say they gave up a Wallstrom, a Bellows, a top pick. It, it would just look terrible. Pajot came last year. You have a ton of picks for him. But he was the, it was verbally agreed upon. I'm pretty sure they had it probably written down that he was signing an extension. And he did. So if you're going to give a lot, it depends if you're giving up a lot to get him as a rental and he's going to leave. You're giving up a lot to have him sign an extension. I think that's a huge, huge difference. Well, if you get him for a rental, you are making a move that you think puts you over the top to win a cup. No, yeah. completely understand that. And I'm willing to give that up to win the cup, but at the same time, the Islanders' prospect pool is so. What? I don't know if it's the right move to win a cup. Does he fit the system? I mean, you're talking about a guy who's usually just mainly offensive minded. I, I, he doesn't have a poor two way game, but it's not ideal for that system. Would he be great along a, a wing of Barzal? Yeah, I think his two goals skyrocket astronomically. But th- is he going to stay in New York and play for the Islanders, well, or is he going to leave? And if they if he leaves and they don't win a cup, <clears throat> are you hemorrhaging your future by giving away first round picks and Wallstrom or a Bellows and, and that type of thing? Yeah. So it's th- that's why this is a very difficult situation, exactly. because you're you're basically saying that right now they need one more player to win a cup, and who that player becomes is really dependent on how much of their future they're willing to hemorrhage. Because I think if right now they kept it the way it is, their window is it's not closing yet. They still have a, a nice window. If they were to trade a prospect in a first-round pick to get a rental player or a player to only be here for another two years, you're basically time-stamping your window because then it becomes a lot harder to have maneuverability. And it really also depends, though, if Lee is back. If Lee is back for the playoffs and they get Taylor Hall, you're adding a score. Well, supposedly score with two goals in 26 games, but with Barzell consistently. The question is, though, whoever they do bring in, whoever they do bring in, 
how long does it take them to get acclimated? Because we saw Pajot come last year. They were 0-3-4 in their last seven games. Pajot did not look comfortable coming from an offensive just chaos in Ottawa to a defensive unit. So if Eric, if um, Taylor Hall came, how long would it take him to get into the system? Because, again, in a short season, you don't have 10 games to get acclimated. We saw a break, and then Pajot played great. But you're not going to get a break this year. You're going to go right into the playoffs. You're either ready or not. The thing with Hall is if Andersley can't go, is it a move that takes him over the top, or is it a move that gives that scoring? The Islanders are losing their one of their leading goal scorers. So does Hall substitute in there, or is Lee come back and Hall is an extra component? Because I think that they are over the top if Hall comes comes to the team, but Anders Lee's still playing. If Anders Lee doesn't play, you're pretty much just substituting your goal scorer for another. Does that put them over the top? I'm not sure. But if Taylor Hall, given the situation in Buffalo, they can acquire him without getting up walls. Give up Bellows, all four, get Ladd. You have a first or second round pick. The problem is the Islanders prospect pool is not strong at all. So if you're willing to give up your top prospects and draft picks, he has to resign to me. He has to. He he can't be a rental. It does not push him over the top this year. And the only way there's value there is either if he will say that he will resign or if Lee returns. Otherwise it is not worth it. I agree. I agree. That's why That's why we don't. We could talk all we want about it, but Trotz said he's going to be out for a while, and they wouldn't have moved into long to my R if he was back for the regular season because if he did return and they made a move, they wouldn't be salary cap compliant. So this is just strategic that a long to my R move because it gives them the money, and they, they know for a fact he's not going to be back until the playoffs start. But but they know that answer right now. They know if he'll no, be ready exactly. To- yeah, and I think it's well. I don't think he'd be put on loan to my R if he wasn't. If he was going to be back before then, because they would be cap strong, and Islanders already have cap issues. But Brendan, you know, we'll get to modern day NHL where you can't know anything about any injury until it's someone. Ready to so someone asked me about that on Twitter. They said, Stefan, do you understand? Do you know why NHL specifically upper body, lower body?" And the two things I could think of was one targeting, because if you know, see, the thing about this though is. You have replays. So clearly you can watch the replay on Andersley. Let's say he was fine in back play. You know it's his right knee, and you know if you're going to hit him, you can hit him low. Just a fact. But they don't want to give it away. The second thing I would say would be gambling. Because sports betting is becoming such a big thing that if people know about an injury or know the extent of how someone's out, that's going to change lines and everything. I don't think Vegas knows that stuff, and that's why I don't think lines change. But I think Vegas – no, but Vegas doesn't know more than – they might know, they definitely know more than us. They don't know if Lee's going to be out for 30 days, 35 days, how it's going to affect one game or another. That's why I think they don't tell things because it'll change that too much. But, you know, injuries are always a big problem. And the honors didn't deal with it well last year. And now they have the money to deal with it this year. So, Brendan, we'll get to the last one. You want to talk about Philip Forsberg in Nashville. Yeah, I'm going to make this pretty quick because I think it's, it's straightforward. He's got 27 points in 28 games. <clears throat> wow. Point-per-game player, right? Yep. That's basically what he is. And that's on a Nashville team that is notoriously bad offensively. So you put him on Barzal's wing, and he's going to skyrocket. I look at that move, and in short term, it does replace Lee scoring. He's got 10 goals, 17 assists. So he's going to score, especially on a Barzal wing. He's also only 26. So like I talked about, it's not hemorrhaging your future, even if you were to give up prospects in a first-round pick, because this is some guy that will be a part of it. And I don't look at Philip Forsberg as somebody that is just going to get up and leave, especially an Islanders team. And that looks like somebody that would, similar to Pajot, be willing to extend because there's a chance at winning there. 
And if you could now get Lee back and have Forsberg on that wing, there's going to have to be like a, a cap compliancy issue where I, I doubt Beauvillier will resign because you're going to have Forsberg now. So you're basically replacing him, but there that's a really interesting option because he's extraordinarily talented. And I think that they should do a three team trade where, you know, they send a couple of prospects to Nashville and they send Matt Barzal to the Rangers for Jack Johnson I, and exchange for Philip for I'm just kidding. I'm just I kidding. I know, I know, I know. You're just bringing up every time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think that for him, you're going to have to give up either a first or second. You're I, I doubt that they'll take on last contract in exchange for Forsberg. So you're looking at I think you're going to have to give up Wallstrom to get Forsberg. I, I don't think it's up those fellows. And I know you're going to, you, you don't want to give up Wallstrom, but Philip Forsberg is legit. If you put him on that wing, he's going off. I mean, we're talking about somebody that has scored 30 in this league. He's got 380 points in 480 games, and he got off to a late start. Ultra talented. You put him on Barzal's wing. Uh, that's a nasty combo. That's the first time Barzal is going to have a, an elite player alongside him where both of them play similar games. They could shoot and they could pass. That That's a dangerous combo. They can trade Ballstrom because yeah, gotta... you're, you're out of yeah. your mind. <laughs> what if, I he just, if he takes 26, then we could trade Ballstrom. I just, I can't. Mentally, what Ballstrom has done this year, the growth he's taken over the last year, he's young. The Islanders have been waiting so long for a sniper, and he is a legitimate sniper. When he shoots the puck, it's lethal. And he's a big body. He, you know, he fights off hands. He protects the puck. If they were to deal him for a guy like Forsberg, and it didn't work out with Forsberg, uh, you'd, I mean, you can hear backlash either way because the Islander fan base just, you know, everything pisses us all off. But I, I, can't, I don't think you could trade Wilson. I just don't. I think he's really too valuable, and I think the future – Walsh alongside Barzal is the way to go. I know Bellis has gotten the opportunity. He's played well. They don't want to mess up the third line. Again, honors are pretty deep. If people don't want to give him credit for that, they are. They're a deep team up and down their lineup. But the one thing you didn't mention about Forsberg, which is another reason to bring him, is the fact that Trotz coached him for two years in Nashville, 2012 right. to 2014. So he knows the style that Trotz plays. I don't think it would take that long for him to figure it out. I mean, Nashville is, you know, we saw what happened last year. They were just downright terrible. I think there's too many quote-unquote top players in Nashville where it's just an issue to figure out the game they want to play. But Trotz is a system. It's a, you know, you either play the system or you don't play. And I think because Forsberg knows Trotz, that's an added improvement. But I think now it's time to talk about, out of the three, which one we would go with. I'm going to start. I'm going to go with Levitz. As much as Taylor Hall is a superstar and love to have, I'm not, any of these guys I would love to have. Eric Stahl is the cheapest option and he, he plays, I think, the closest style that Lee does. He's going to score X amount of goals at the, the rate that Lee does. Not sure, but he could. And not even the goals. Take away the goals and the assists. Having a big guy in front that's willing to go to the dirty areas and screen the goaltenders makes that line even stronger. Makes the power play. You know, the Islanders right now, Matt Martin in front on the power play. They're trying different things. The power play struggled mightily recently. You're missing a big guy in front. Eric Stoll could play that role. And he's a proven winner. He's won a Stanley Cup. Now, the other two guys have not. Forsberg hasn't won a cup. Um, and Taylor Hall hasn't won a cup. No matter how good he's been, it's been more of an individual effort for Hall. When he joined Arizona last year, they got worse. They're significantly worse with him in the lineup. And, you know, we're not in the locker room. We don't know what it goes on. People have said he's a cancer in the locker room. And 
that wouldn't be tolerated on Islanders, but I think it's the fact that everywhere Taylor Hall's gone, it's about him. He goes to the Devils. He's the only guy in the Devils. He steps up for him to the playoffs. When he was on Edmonton, it was just about Hall. This is before McDavid. He goes to Arizona. It's, what is Taylor Hall going to do for us? He comes to the Islanders. It's, welcome to the Islanders. Welcome to the system. Let's play hockey. And I think that would benefit Taylor Hall from all the... He had to have been an individual player where he's gone. He had to be that guy. He doesn't have to be the guy in the Islanders. They have depth this year. They have depth scoring. He just needs to play his game and play defensively. And this he gives the Islanders a chance to win, not Taylor Hall a chance to be that guy. He doesn't have to be. I think that Stahl is the only answer unless you can get rid of Ladd in one of the other trades. Otherwise, the cap issues are not worth it. No, I, th- I think you're completely right. I think the biggest thing is you have contracts like Ladd's contract, Hickey's contract. Komarov isn't terrible. He has one year after this year remaining. But given how messed up the Islanders are cap-wise, they're not going to get cap relief at the end of this year. You have to move one of those guys. And we saw last year, they tried at the deadline to get Parise and Koyu, and it was Ladd was going to go the other way. Someone else would go the other way. Compliance files were a thing, which would have been great because the Islanders wanted Parise. Wild would have probably bought Parise out. Islanders could have reworked that horrendous contract and made a deal. But I agree with you. I think it's important to get Ladd off, but I do think Eric Stahl, though, just the way Stahl plays, mimics Lee. But the question becomes, which we don't know, are you acquiring a player to substitute into Lee's spot? Or is Lee going to be back for the playoffs? Because you have Lee back. Eric not playing top line minutes. He'll play top six, but then who are you moving around? Josh Bailey has struggled mightily. Does he go on the second line wing? You put Eric Stoll on the third line. Do you move Lee to the third line? Those are the questions you have if Lee comes back. But if Lee's not back, I think Stoll fills that role specifically. But again, is that the role he's going to be playing when playoffs start? It's a great question. <laughs> I mean, I'm <laughs> sure you can't answer. I, I, you, you can't because you can't answer it until you find out if Lee's coming back, which they won't release. So if we had that information, then I can answer it. I think that Stahl is the best option this season. The other two are more options if they're willing to stay long-term. I think that overall for what the Islanders are looking to build and continue to have, if you're going to go long-term, Forsberg's the better option over Hall because Hall just hasn't shown that he could do it. You know, He's done it a couple of years early on in his career, but he's never been able to do it on a contending team outside of that Hart Trophy season when he had to carry them. Uh, he hasn't been able to play that team-style game, which the Islanders thrive in. Forsberg has, and he's also done it in a cup final. He's done it consistently. He's put up at least 48 points in every single season and 20 goals in every season outside of his first two where he played like 13 and five games. So it's... This is a guy that can do it, and alongside Barzal, that's dangerous. Like I'd be scared facing that line. You're talking about a legitimate scoring threat every time they're on the ice. But for this season, if they are literally looking to find somebody as a replacement player who there's no cap commitment to, and they could just put, put, plug him in around the lineup wherever they see fit, especially once Lee comes back to, stalls the answer. I wholeheartedly agree. What was the st- By the way, what was the stat? I I can't remember where I saw it or what exactly it was, but every single year he's been a positive player in one advanced stat. I think it was expected goals for, I'm pretty sure it was expected goals for, but he's been a positive player every single year in his career. And then Buffalo Sabres sign him and he's negative. Like the exact, every single thing's up here. And as soon as they sign him, 
completely drops off a cliff. And the tweet I saw it and said, oh, look, the Sabres have ruined Eric Stahl. That's literally what it is. So if you put him on an Islanders team, odds are it's going to jump back up because he, he's too responsible of a player. And he's a center by trade, but he could play wing. I mean, this, this is a guy that's been around so long. It's not He's not sewn into one position. You can move him around. Uh, it's an interesting move. The Rangers tried it. I mean, people are going to forget this. The Rangers tried that exact thing when they were going on a cup run. They acquired Eric Stahl from Carolina, and it did not work. It didn't. He it did not uh, work. He was Google. non-existent. He, he was he was an invisible player for them. And then he goes to Minnesota. Because that's the thing. But that Rangers team was similar defensively to the Islanders in goals allowed, not in structure. They were they were only close because it was Henrik Lundqvist at the time. So would he benefit from trots? Yes. I think that it would be a much different situation for him because he's not coming in at this point in his career and being asked to score he was when the Rangers got him. He's coming in saying, fill the void of Lee, be a responsible defensive player. Don't be a minus, right? If you're not going to score, don't give up anything while you're on the ice and just hold the fort down. So I do think he would be a good fit. Well, the last thing I will say is you're going from two guys on Buffalo. And while stats don't tell nearly anything about the story, especially with the Sabres because they've been downright terrible, I guarantee you see an uptick in play from either guy. If they, if they get stalled, he comes to the Islanders. I mean, just mentally, you're going from one of the worst teams in hockey. They're on top of their game right now on, a, on multiple streaks, top of the NHL, top of the Metro, a Hall of Fame coach, a Hall of Fame general manager. I mean, that, that just changes your mind. I mean, what, Jack Eichel doesn't want to play. The captain of the Sabres is faking injuries. Again, not proven, but I, I believe so. To not play for your organization. That's a ripple effect. That's a ripple effect on the whole entire team, whether you're a rookie or a veteran guy. Taylor Hall, you know, everyone's holding their sticks a little too tight when they're playing. Jeff Skinner's the, you know, he can't do anything right. But those, you're watching the Sabres play, and it's just depressing. You see guys like Stahl come to honors. They might go, oh, my God, it's an opportunity. Taylor Hall didn't work out in Buffalo. There's an opportunity for me to play well and get another contract. Because right now, Taylor Hall is looking and going, oh, I should have gone with Colorado because I'm probably going to get $4 million now in free agency now after the year I've had. Again, playing with Jack Eichel didn't work. You come to Islanders, he now puts a nice, impressive run together with Barzal. If he doesn't, if he resigns, amazing. If he doesn't, you know, he gets more money now. If Instead of just staying on Buffalo, the problem is he doesn't have a no-movement clause. And while we all think it's just that easy, why wouldn't he want to leave? We have no idea what he would do. He might say, I don't want to go to the Islanders. For whatever reason, I want to be that guy. If I go to the Islanders, I'm not that guy, even though he, he would pretty much be that guy. But we have no idea. If he doesn't wave it for the Islanders, what team would he be willing to go to? It better not be Colorado, I'll tell you that. Uh, it's probably the Rangers because who doesn't want to wear that lovely sweater? Fair, fair. And I think if Jack Eichel goes there, to the There is no need. The, the only saber that is interesting to the Rangers is Eichel. And that, yeah. I mean, if we're going to get into that, I saw <laughs> the most horrendous mock trade I've ever seen in my life. I don't know. What Instagram? You saw, you saw horrendous match. I'll let you go first, but I'll read the one I saw on Twitter. It was Jack Eichel and Jack Eichel alone. Not even any pick compensation, nothing. For Adam Fox, Capo Caco, Vitaly Kratzov, a first and a second round pick. Are they out of their mind? If you're throwing in Caco and Kratzov, there is not a sniff of Fox. I don't think there's a sniff of Fox regardless because the Rangers haven't had a he, – he's the first – this type of defenseman where they're good in their own end and offensively, probably since Brian Leach. Ryan McDonough was a phenomenal defenseman. Wasn't this two-way. 
And I, I, one of my friends shared a tweet where Adam Fox actually leads the league defenseman-wise and wins above replacement. So uh, it's he's very, very underappreciated in this league, and that's with Cal McCarr and Quinn Hughes. You know who's number two? Who? Adam Pellick. I was going to guess that. Nice, because what? It's just it's just unreal how lack of respect there is for the Islanders' defensive guys. First off, Ryan Pulak hasn't scored a goal this year. But my God, is he playing freaking unreal? But no, no credit. Why give credit? Because someone made a good point though. He goes, if Islanders' defense got as much credit as they did, they get paid more. <laughs> They'd be uh. Well, Pelic is going to get paid. Oh, he better. Well, the problem that I see is in NHL 21, Andy Greed is ranked higher than Adam Pelic, and Hickey. Is ranked higher than Adam Pellick. I love it because I don't want to. I don't want to pay him a lot. He is no. so undervalued. I mean, it's kind of crazy though because he's he's that undervalued, but he really sh- he just shouldn't be. It's the fact that he plays in a market where it's just not you know a second thought. But let me find this. Tweet. Yeah, give me a second. So, who are you trading for Eichel? I'm not. I really just don't think it's feasible. I, I, as much as I would want him. I we, I talked about this on a video that I posted. I think that what I would give up is I would start by not offering Lafreniere and Kako, and I would try to give up as many prospects as I can without it. I think ultimately they're not going to do it unless one of them's in it. I would have a hard time trading your number one overall pick from last year, so I would lean Kako, and I would say Kako, Nils Lundqvist, Maybe try to keep him get trade Matthew Robertson and Braden Schneider, like double down on it. I would do the first and the second, and I would be willing to add Kratzov, but I'm not giving up Fox. I'm very, very reluctant to give up Miller. Not giving up Lafreniere. Uh, to me, for one player, that's hard to give up that many, especially that many NHL proven prospects right now. Like they're not, they haven't proven anything. That's the wrong word, but they're NHL ready. I think it'd have to be Kako. Miller and a first, which I wouldn't do just because I'd rather keep the defenseman in that case. It's harder to find good defensemen. Yeah. And Buffalo is not doing it though without a defenseman. Exactly. So the Rangers do have a ton, a ton of demon. Like they have Miller, Lundquist. They have Schneider coming. They have Fox lingering already. They have Matthew Robertson. They have Zach Jones who's at UMass tearing it up. So they do have prospects that they could trade. The question is, Buffalo is going to see a name. You could always throw in Jack Johnson, though, and then they'll do it. They probably will. I, I think that that's the type of team where they're going to say, oh, we need a Jack for a Jack. Yeah. And it'll work. So I saw this on Twitter. I'm going to call this guy out specifically. At capital D, lowercase W-O-L-T, one That's just, just a stupid name. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. You just got to hear this. You got to hear this. I'm ready. Okay, you sure? I don't, I don't think you, I, don't, I really don't think you are. We said we wouldn't give up Wallstrom for Hall or anybody, pretty much. Here we go. The Hawks have cap space and can weaponize it to acquire prospects like how Carolina took Pickle's contract and got Taravine with it. Islanders just lost Lee indefinitely and up against the cap as well as contending. Trade Soderbergh for Andrew Lett and Oliver Wallstrom, period. Yeah, well, what, that's not happening. What? The, the, concept, he, the concept's right. No, no. The con- okay, sure. You're not you're not getting Wallstrom in a trade for Soderberg. The island is Soderberg? Soderberg? That makes Are you out of your mind? Where, where does that even make... First off, this is clearly a guy that doesn't watch the Islanders at all. So you watch one game of Wallstrom. 
already more valuable than Soderberg. I'm sorry, Soderberg. You're a great NHL player. You may say on until congratulations. No, he's not. No, no, he's not. I lied. I was just trying to be nice, Brendan, but you, no. So this, I, I don't blame this kid for being unaware, but it's the fact that you can't put this on Twitter if you don't watch the other team you're talking about. It's when they look on paper and look at Wallstrom and go, yeah, he's got X amount of points and X amount of games. You're not, Soderberg is not even close to the skill that Wallstrom has at a younger age. I would, lad, lad and a third round pick for Soderberg, I wouldn't even do. What not about maybe I would. the brink it for Wallstrom? But now you're talking, though. You're looking at a Soderberg and, and the Brinkett are completely different. You're talking about Soderberg as a bottom six guy in this NHL center who's a Brink probably starter in some lineups. You don't even realize what you just did there. Brink. It's a Brink. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> That's well done. Well executed. But I just I, – one thing to put the tweet out there and believe what you write because – Again, whatever this guy want, has and is smoking, I would love to acquire. I would just love to acquire. But it's one thing. <laughs> I I don't know. That's how I felt when I saw that like little mock trade. And I, I get that they're going to get a lot out of him because we talked about Forsberg being 26. Eichel's 24. So, I mean, this guy, he's put 80 points up already in the NHL. He's only 24. Um, so his value is through the roof. But there's only three teams maybe that can actually acquire him that, that have the capital to do it. Rangers, Kings, Ducks, I think are really the three teams. Maybe Ottawa if they wanted to, but I don't know if they really have a need. Um, it's it's interesting. But both teams, like I said at the top of the show, are in really different situations but similar situations in the same time where the Islanders are ready to compete now, but they also don't want to risk that window because Barzal is going to be around. Sorokin just got here. Right, you have a younger defense with Dobson, who's starting to prove himself. You have Wallstrom coming in, Bellows coming in now. You don't want to risk losing all that future. And the Rangers are getting to that brink, but they're also trying to build a good roster for the future as well. So both of them are looking to make trades to better themselves, but you can't be short-sighted. Like it, there, there's always a risk that the prospect doesn't pan out. That Wallstrom, this could be the best he ever looks in his career. But is that a risk you're willing to take to save the cap money and hope that he doesn't and he pans out for the future? Are the Rangers willing to risk Capo Caco breaking out just to get Jack Eichel, who might struggle? You know, it, it, always a risk. That's what makes it fun. Thank you so to Matt Levitz for coming on. That was a good Islanders trade discussion. Those, those mock trades get fun, and sometimes they get a little, you know, outlandish. But I don't think we really did get outlandish with any of our scenarios there. I think we, we held the fort down and, they're, they're going to have to make one move because I, I don't think that Austin Zarnak is the guy that you want slotting in. Now, granted, Pajot is going to come back hopefully soon, but COVID is something you never know and replace Zarnak. And, and then if Bellows can keep going, that's really the team of the future right there that you're building because you have Bellows and Wallstrom in the lineup. But a veteran guy is always nice to add, especially at a lower cost. And Eric Stoll doesn't seem like he would be too expensive. Um Rangers play the Flyers tonight. Do the Islanders play tonight? Islanders not. They play Tuesday in D.C. against the Capitals, 7 o'clock. All right, so we talked. This is a huge week for this East Division, right? You got the Islanders playing two of the top five teams. The Rangers playing two of the top five teams. Flyers are struggling. So if the Rangers can take advantage of them, we've seen the success that they've had against the Capitals. 
It's going to be extremely interesting to see if they could piece together a little bit of a, a mini run with Panarin back in the lineup, just Sturkin starting to get close. He's still listed as day-to-day, so there's always a chance he can play. He's been practicing. Uh, Kincaid has looked pretty sharp since entering the lineup, definitely better than Georgiev. So if Shesterkin's not ready to go, I think it would be a mistake to not ride Kincaid for a tiny bit longer. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it, it's a big week. And the honors, big... the honors hope that the Rangers tied out the Flyers. So they play three times at the end of the week, Thursday, Saturday, Monday. They play the Capitals, so they couldn't get a point out of last time when they were riddled with COVID. Now the time to return the favor, pick up a big two points. So at least three or four on this road trip. Build that lead in the Metro Division. And then beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Bill Brendan, have a great couple of days in Myrtle Beach. Sure. We'll talk What? Before we end it. Yes. I want I want to, just you to listen to this. Okay, I'm listening. Two against the Flyers. Two against the Caps. One against Buffalo. Two against the Flyers. Two against the Caps. Two against Buffalo. That's the Rangers' upcoming stretch. That stretch has three games, which are must-wins, like we just saw the Islanders do against Buffalo. Must-wins. I know it's it's hard to beat every a team every single night, especially when the Rangers are young. That's a must-win. And the rest of them, if they could find a way to go, I think it's it's eight games, if they could find a way to go six and two or five, two and one, in those eight games against the teams in front of them, the standings will look a heck of a lot different come April 1st. In fact, Will, and we shall see how this all plays out. But like you said, Rangers tonight against the Flyers. Islanders back in action tomorrow against the Cavs. Brendan, great episode. I hope you're enjoying Myrtle Beach and that warm weather because it's going to snow this week in New York. So I'm, I'm not happy about that. But Brendan, great talk as always. We'll be back Wednesday at 6 o'clock to around 7-ish. We'll see you guys then. The Back Check is your one-stop shop for NHL news and all things Rangers and Islanders. Thanks for sticking with us for this edition of The Back Check. Follow the show on social media at Back Check Pod.